the volume. This sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. And 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. <laughs> Good to be here. It's Things so have changed. See, oh my God, have they ever? We lost the oral. What happened to the oral? I feel like I've said this and I, I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but I truly didn't have blowjobs in mind when I came up with the name Oral Sessions. I just thought like, oh, two people talking from their mouths. I thought it was clever and everyone else thought that it was pervy. Um, so that's on them, I guess. I was just like relating to your husband because I was like, oh, the same thing going on. You get the baby and all of a sudden the oral <laughs> disappears and you're just <laughs> down to the sessions. We are down to the sessions. We are raw dog in the sessions, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we are in it to win it. Nobody has time for the oral sessions these days. It's just let's just get the job done, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I do know. <laughs> <laughs> How is your new baby? What a beautiful specimen you've created. Thank you. Uh, he's a blessing. He's just so happy and so smiley at a young age and just takes a lot of his mom's characteristics. So that's been very helpful. I'm sure every parent, they're worried when their baby is born. You kind of know those first few months. You're like, they're going to be squishy and weird looking. 
but for me, it's just a blessing to have a baby two weeks old. He looked like a Gerber baby. He's super cute. It's so much fun for me. There's a lot of pressure, especially when you're an interracial couple, that you, you don't want your baby to look like Wendell from The Simpsons, who was the little <laughs> pale-haired, curly-haired baby. You don't want that type of baby. And sometimes that, you got a, like a 30% chance. So we were just lucky. Yeah, when I was pregnant with Nora, being like, okay, John and I are going to combine and we're going to make this person. And I'm like looking at him. I'm like, he's got a strong profile, very handsome man. We know what we're getting from John. We know what we're getting from me. But then you take a deep dive where you're like, oh, right. We have other genes. There's other people in this family. What are we really working with? I, I, I remember like really going down our family trees, just being like, what are our possibilities here? But she is like pretty much like, I would say 75 John, 25 me. Maybe that's a little generous, but she's a lot of John. So round two now of having a baby, I actually enjoyed when you posted the other day. You posted a picture of your smiling baby saying like, oh, this is a baby that gets successful, Ron. Not Ron that's out there, you know, struggling, trying to make a name for himself. How different is it this time around just where you are in life? It's a huge difference. I mean, my first son, I was barely 20 years old when he was born. And it was a big motivator and a big change in my life. And it's what really um, pushed me to focus on choosing a career and, and getting involved in entertainment. And I wouldn't trade those things for anything, those times with my son. And now he's kind of like he has a really good balance. He doesn't get too excited by like all this new stuff that goes on. But at the same time, I also just remember the stress of just not having money and just kind of waking up every day and being like, I got like 78 cents and there's three people relying on me. And so we better figure something out today and to not have that anymore, to be able to like tell my mom that my wife is pregnant and just have pure joy and no fear in her face. It's very nice. Um, the only kind of negative difference is that like, I guess, even though I was stressed out and poor I was very still young at least so I wasn't as tired now I'm just like <laughs> oh my god sucks. why did I sign back up for it <laughs> also like just the shock of having like a 19 year old son to now like you are back in it you are in the trenches with a brand new baby you're dealing with little sleep you're back into diaper mode that's got to be such a shock to the system it is just and just all the changes in technology and all these new there's so many yes. robots now involved in my household it's like a Chuck E. cheese in here this baby <laughs> goes like you put him in a swing and it doesn't just go left and right it goes up and down and all types i of know ways. exactly the one you and got just such a and it, 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 everything's attached to my phone now it's, it's yep. very fun and nice but apparently uh by all the new safety standards i'm just lucky that my older son is alive at all because i know it's funny i think about that too when i like you know obviously we're like in the same boat we're like i'm literally watching my baby on the monitor right now because i'm a dumbass well, it, this isn't entirely my fault that I scheduled for us to hop on here during like what is her nap window. So it's great. But I was anticipating John being home already. Um, so I'm just I'm, I'm keeping an eye on her. She should be fast asleep within the next 10 minutes. Um, but I know we're just we're it, the world that these little babies are coming into. It's 
It's very cool. It's very it's exciting. Cool. And then it's also scary. I just, when we had the school shooting and I just had had my baby and it was the first time where I had to be like, oh, I had, you get those feelings that people always talk about that you're, you're like, well, oh, should I brought in a child into this world? You know, and it's, uh, it makes me just, it's just a lot of survivor's remorse in that way where you feel bad for these people who lose the thing they're most passionate about in life. I know like my sons are the most important things in my entire world. It's really scary. I definitely like had a a different perspective of seeing that news and having my baby with me like for weeks, thinking about these families that their lives will just never be the same ever again. Like how do you recover from something like that? Like I was just like brushing my teeth and like reflecting on my day and like these families popped in my head of being like, oh, my God, like they ne- they won't get that ease of just like brushing their teeth and reflecting on their day and enjoying it in that moment. I feel like that heaviness must just loom over them all the time. Like it really fucked me up uh, seeing that news. And it is scary. It's really scary being a parent. And, you know, when I got pregnant and thought about having a baby and you think about all those nice things and now it's like, oh, my God, like. What kind of a school am I going to put my kid in? How are things going to change? How do things in the state that I live in be affected by that stuff? Like it is, it's really a heavy, bizarre time. It really is. And it's just a time where you feel like you have to do the most of your own like research and responsibility where it felt like in the past, at least, I mean, especially for me, because um, when I grew up, like going to school and getting like free breakfast and free lunch was like a big support to my day at school was a safe haven to be in some cases and to kind of have that not be the case anymore is such a shift and such a uh unnatural occurrence and just you know i think out outliving your children is just one of the truly the one of the worst tragedies in this world so i i, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy my brain just like almost halts thinking about it at a certain point because I think like I can't even comprehend what that would be like. It is such a such a awful time, awful thing to be going through, especially when it is a very happy time as well. Like you you have your baby and your career is going great. Like there are so many great things to think about, but then there's like that heavy reality that can kind of come plummeting in, in as well. Well, you know, in some cases, right now, I always feel like that balance is is good to have in your life as just to remember that you're you're blessed and lucky no matter um what your circumstances are but especially if you're people like you and I who um who are lucky enough to work in the field that we want to and that we are uh, we choose to do these things and we're happy with our career and it's it's a blessing and a privilege and I'm always I always remember one of my first shows that I ever did back in Portland, Oregon. I would just had a great show and I crushed and everybody was loving me. People would get excited to see me and and then like nobody knew who I was. They were just like, oh you're funny and I'm so happy. And I just remember walking outside and the club was right across the street from like the Greyhound station in downtown Portland and just seeing even back then a lot of these homeless camps and like thing and I just was always remember at that point just remember like, oh this is fun, but like 
always remember the privilege that you have in this and always remember there is a it's kind of a responsibility to don't have too much fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have some fun, but also like let's check ourselves a little bit and remember that not everything is just as fun entertainment world that that we uh, are lucky to live in there is some some real bullshit happening out there for sure yeah it's definitely good to have that uh reminder um what's the deal with this tour how has your performance changed has your content changed since the last time you got to be on the road like this Basically, it's just me getting old, more confident, become more of a grown man in my material, talking about the differences in my life of um, talking about my sons, talking about my my new marriage with my wife. We've been married for a year now. What did you guys do for your anniversary? Thank you for asking, Renee. What did you do? <laughs> okay, I must first preface it because it'll sound real affluent if I don't by saying again, we got married in the height of the pandemic. It was just me and my wife. I, I I wore a suit that I had worn for a game show before she had ordered her dress online. I think the whole marriage was a grand. And so we my kind of wedding. I love that. Yeah, it turned out beautiful in that regard. And so for the anniversary, we were like, well, we could have a big try to set up a bigger party, have a bigger wedding. Oh, we can go on a big vacation. So me and my wife, we went to um, Amsterdam. We went to we went to Florence, Italy. We went to the Amalfi Coast uh, in Italy. And oh, and, and we I mean, to tell you the hotel at the Amalfi Coast, we had uh, like a private full house, basically. You bougie little shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Tell me about the Amalfi Coast because I have always wanted to go there. It looks fucking stunning. Was it everything you wanted it to be? It truly was, Renee. It one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. Everybody was just it's going to sound bad, but it also will indicate to you the level of people that were going there. It's like everybody I saw there was like 20-year-old models and their 60-year-old boyfriends. I don't know. Uh, everyone's just trying to get a good life experience, you know? Yes, I guess. <laughs> well, it's so beautiful. My wife just ate prosciutto and melon and it was just right off on the ocean. You got, you can go. I know you can go. I would love to go. I was trying to convince John. I remember at one point I was trying to convince him to go to Lake Como. I have no idea why I was even like, like trying to plan this trip. It went nowhere fast and I don't believe we've ever really taken it. Maybe it was, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I was looking at it at one point. But yeah, I do need to, when his life slows down at some point, that's like, I would love to go do the Amalfi Coast. I would love to go do Lake Como. Italy is my jam. I want to like go sit with an old Nona and learn to make pasta like on her porch. I, I would love that. It sounds so dreamy. What about Amsterdam? Did you guys really turn it on in Amsterdam? Did you go to the red light district? I did. My wife, not so much, <laughs> but she had to wash me. I feel like that's when she 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 preferred to feel that uh, she, we impregnated her in the Amalfi Coast. But I feel like it was in Amsterdam while I was on mushrooms. Uh, <laughs> that's when shit gets weird. Oh, my God. That's the best. It's just a beautiful place, too, even if you don't, because I know a lot of people immediately go to the wheat culture there, but they have some of the best produce, some of the best, like, flowers and art museums in the world. You can, and just the people there. I love Dutch people. I love 
going to the Netherlands and you can really get into some fun conversations, hanging out at a coffee shop. A bunch of Alistair Blacks cruising around. Yeah. Where you like, oh, you look so scary, but then you're soft spoken. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was actually supposed to do a trip to Amsterdam and then last minute changed it and went to Portugal, which was amazing. But it was because of that that I was like, well, I don't really smoke weed. Like, am I going to really love that? And I, I know their food's supposed to be amazing. I like rented an Airbnb boat that I was going to be staying on, which probably would have been Horrible if you get seasick, right? Yeah, well, the canals have been not much motion there. So that's actually pretty chill. I actually could be pretty, those pretty fun and romantic. Uh, so I'd say reconsider. You don't have to smoke to have a beautiful time. They're just wonderful. It helps. It certainly helps. Are you more of a smoker or more of like a gummy person? I'm more of a smoker for sure. Just mostly because of diet, really. Oh, of course. Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess it depends on how many gummies you're smashing. Most of these gummies. I mean, there's some people who do good branded things and do and care about what they're putting in, but a lot of them don't. So I just I try to avoid just getting that extra sugar. I do these tablets that have no calories, no sugar, and those are beautiful. I did them last night at the loop premiere. Um, and, it was, and it made it great. It made seeing the same episodes I had seen three times <laughs> even better. How many episodes did you get to watch? Uh, we watched two yesterday and it was so much fun. I haven't been in a premiere since like the Trolls, the first Trolls movie years ago. So it was nice to be at a premiere again. Okay, talk to me about Loop because this show looks amazing. It looks like it was so much fun to work on. I want to know everything about Maya Rudolph. Give me give me the goods. Well, the basis of it is that Maya plays, uh, uh, basically she's married to like a tech billionaire and then she gets divorced because he's out there doing what sometimes these tech billionaires be doing on the side and he got caught. And so they get divorced and she ends up the third richest woman in America. So she's got a lot of access, a lot of money, but she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know her passion. She finds out that she owns. (laughs) She's not even aware (laughs) that she has a foundation. And then um, I play her cousin who works at the foundation and kind of reintroduces her back to the real world and back to her family and uh, working with Maya. I mean, it was just intimidating at first. And I don't really get starstruck. I don't know most actors. My wife is one of the things my wife laughs about the most where like she'll show me pictures of people and, I'm, and she'll be like, do you know who this is? And I'm like, no. And she's like, that's Jennifer Aniston. And I'm like, how do you not know who that is? And I was like, I don't, I, I literally play video games and watch wrestling. Like, so like, I know, like, if you show me Stone Cold Steve Austin, you show me wrestlers, I'll freak out. But like most actors, I don't know that well, but someone like Maya Rudolph is, you know, Saturday Night Live, Bridesmaids, one of my favorite movies of all time. And so, um, and I just kind of lean into that and acknowledge that the first day on set where I was just like, look, I'm going to, I got to be funny and I got to do my job. So in order to do that, I need to tell you how much I love you 
at how amazing you are and how I love your mom and how you are an icon. And uh, and she is just was one of the sweetest persons in the world to make things easy and never make you feel like you're, you know, some of these people, you're around them and they want you to feel like they're big, you know, and that you, you're you not as big as them. And she does not have that at all. She always, she's just her fa- always around her family. So her, her whole family was at the premiere with her last night. So she's got like a brood of kids, doesn't she? Yeah. And they're all so cute. So cute. And that was the thing in that I, um, will make me come to work and work hard. Cause I never forgot like, Hey, like, this is almost like her doing us a favor. She could be home with her kids. Like she does, she, she doesn't have to do this job. She's set. Like the rest of us aren't set. So (laughs) (laughs) she is good. What was it like, like doing scenes with her? Like, were you in your head about it? How much improv was in that? Like, what is that whole experience? Like I would be shitting my pants. Uh, it's a lot of improv and she's just very the whole cast is full of like strong comedic voices joel kim booster is an amazing stand-up comedian and this wonderful movie fire island that people are flipping out over right now uh nat faxon is great michaela j rodriguez who was emmy we got emmy winners all over the place so it was just like being in an all-star game but we kind of just all bonded and we're big nerds and why one day i pulled out my nintendo switch and thought like you know sometimes people make fun of me when that happens on set and instead michaela pulled hers out joel pulled his out and the three of us started playing switch together and it was just fun we just love improvising together um and it was a great opportunity i almost missed out on it renee i originally i turned it down shut up why i was trying to headline my own show i was working on my own show for fx and they were getting ready to decide on it what kind of a show was it basically a show about my life about being a single dad of a son with autism but it was gonna be like a single cam comedy um, and they were going through the script. So and at the same time, they kind of needed an answer on this show. So I was like, I'm going to focus and see where this opportunity goes. And then I won the night. I only say this is very much uh, me dropping names, but I'm very happy about this is that a week later after I turned it down, I got an email from from the creators, Alan and, and Matt, who had made Masters of None and written on Parks and Rec. And then they had forwarded the, this like just handwritten note from Maya, who was just like, hey, you know, I know you probably get asked to do things and maybe you just looked this over and you didn't think but she's like we really actually want you we know who you are we know what you can bring to our show we know how funny you are so we just hope that you would reconsider and come in i mean it wasn't like reconsider and take it it was re- please reconsider and audition i was like you know if maya rudolph is going to take the time write me directly i'm gonna go in and audition Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the Volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download Three and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Do you like Fig Newtons? That's actually my wife's uh, fig of choice. Fig of choice. They're delicious. They're so good. I feel like I've like abandoned all um, 
protein at this point. I'm on like a strict carb diet. It's going really well. Carbs are the best. Oh my God, I love carbs. So for people that don't know, Ryan and I are in a very exclusive new group um, where we talk about Chili Crisp. I feel very passionately about this. So I just jumped on the Chili Crisp bandwagon. Obviously, I've known about it for some time, but I never pulled the trigger because I was like, oh, it's just like spicy oil. <laughs> Bitch, it is not just spicy oil. So my problem is I, I, I can't breathe. I have uh, basically one septum is just left town. We'll get into that, I'm sure, right? Yeah. So uh, I need mad heat and spice to taste anything. Literally, my wife hands me stuff, try this. I'm like, yeah, we need to flavor it. She's like, are you kidding me? It's so salty. I don't taste it. So when I went to China, basically all I ate was hot pot. And in hot pot, all they have is just tons of spice and chilies and stuff. And so their chili sauce basically is made out of tons of peppercorn. So the, the big thing with that is as soon as you taste it, your lips go numb and you <laughs> immediately start to sweat. And all you can drink over there, because you don't really want to be drinking like stuff out of the tap or anything like that. So you just had to either drink beer or Coca-Cola because it came in a bottle. And so you're just sweating, can't feel your lips. And so I've been on a mission ever since to try and find something that's the equivalent. And so I sent you uh, a couple of days ago, some examples of ones that I really like. None of them have hit the full lip numbing uh, head sweat yet. But uh, they're all really, really good, really tasty, and uh, I'm a big, big fan. I mean, I like spicy food, but lately I cannot get enough. I want jalapenos on everything. I, I want my lips to hurt. I want my face to hurt. I want that spice. I want to regret it hours later. Um, and to the point that I literally, I was like, am I pregnant? I'm not pregnant. But I, I literally was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what these crazy cravings are right now. Because when I was pregnant... I had subscribed to the Hot Ones hot sauce packages. So they send like four or five hot sauces a month uh, to the point that it got ridiculous. I had way too many hot sauces in the house and they there was like a dill pickle one and I was just having that. So God, I love spicy food. Now I don't want this Fig Newton. My tip for hot sauces is either make your own or you have to go buy the cheapest one. Any hot sauce is $3.99, no good. If you can find a good Mexican hot sauce, it's like 79 cents. That's the jam. Interesting. Okay. You know what? I really, I like to apply that to all sorts of things of like, you don't always have to get the expensive thing. Let's not be duped by the expensive things. Let's just like lean into, you know, old faithfuls that come through. That's what we need. I think a lot of times with that stuff, they try to like show off and it's like, oh, look, I have a $19 hot sauce. And it's like, there's a bodega right here, you know, a little corner store. I can get something for 78 cents that will knock your socks off. I want my socks knocked. As we get older, like we lose uh, our taste buds. Really? Yeah, our taste buds change. And so that's why we start to like, oh, I never liked this as a kid. And now I love it as an adult. And then we start to, I don't know if they dull or if they just start to change. It's every like seven years or something, right? That your taste buds change or they morph or some shit like that. I think we like regenerate as a, like we're a full new human after seven years, right? With like our skin cells. Thank God for that. Well, it's good for a little bit. Now it's starting to go backwards, but (laughs) things were looking up for a while. We had a good run. (laughs) We had a really good run. Um, Okay. So you have taken some of my favorite photos. Um, You, like, God, what an art form. Um, There's so many different things that we can get into with this, but you have, um, you photographed so many different combat sports from obviously professional wrestling, MMA, boxing, like you've done so much. What drew you into taking photos of that? Well, it started because uh, I actually did not 
ever want to be a photographer ever. Really? Yeah, I had no desire whatsoever. I started doing small like little films on a on a camera. Like I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. I wanted to travel the world, live out of a backpack and just be poor the rest of my life but creating like little movies and stuff. What a romantic idea. Right? Now you're rich. <laughs> I just found a I found a very smart successful woman and I just didn't let her go. Latched on. Get those talons in there. You're with me, toots. But I had friends that were photographers that would always try to like show me stuff. Like, hey, let me show you how to use your camera to take pictures. And I'd be like, dude, leave me alone. Never going to happen. I don't want to take photos ever. And when I would be on these gigs with some of the MMA fighters, I would be bored. There's only so much filming you can do. So all right, I'll take some photos just for the heck of it, just to practice for fun. It's never going to happen. And eventually it turned into Hey, did you get any photos of this guy training? Oh yeah, I did. Here, just take them for free. I don't care. I don't ever want to be a photographer. So take my photos. And then it turned into 75-25. And then 50-50. And then 25-75. And now it's just, it's become my entire life. And I love being a professional wrestling fan my entire life. First thing I remember is LA Rams football and watching WWF superstars. I just love the story. Like it's basically just a story, you know, and I get to tell it you know, with, with a camera, I can tell the story of, you know, the highs, the lows, you know, you're basically watching an entire play in a 10 to 25 minute match. And so for me, they give me the emotion that I'm trying to capture in boxing and I'm trying to capture in UFC, like the screaming, the yelling, the agony, they give it to me on purpose and they give it right to me. They like search for it. You know, they look for the lens to where to yell to. And it's a dream. Like for someone that wants to show the struggle or the pain and everything like that. What, what professional wrestlers do is they, they put it on a platter for me. And it's up to me. You know, I just, they don't mess up. It's up to me not to mess it up. You know, they give it to me, you know, it's everything. It's really true that, yeah, it's like, it's all there. It's all done on purpose. It is all laid out right there for you. You've been in like some precarious spots though, while shooting. I mean, whether, um, you know, you, I know you've done some stuff with GCW. Um, did you do Blood sport as well. Yep. Is that right? Did Done you do blood, blood sport? You did blood sport. You were in there in the pit, right? When John was doing the exploding barbed wire death match. No. So they wouldn't let me. I even told him, I'll go, I'll sign anything. I don't care. Like for me, the memory is, and obviously my wife gets mad at me for this. And it's now changed that I've gotten older and I'm married. I'll take an explosion. I honestly, and it sounds so stupid. And it sounds deranged. And I promise you, I would take any injury or possibly death to capture an iconic photo. It's worth it to me. Like I have one spin on this rock, you know, I should have been dead years ago. So now I'm living with uh, playing with house money. So if it means I get an iconic shot and I get a barbed wire around the neck and it's lights out, Hey, I had a good run. It was a lot of fun. I would do it. Me and your wife need to join our own group. Now uh, you and I can have our chili crisp group, but your wife and I, we can have the like wives clinging on, please be safe group. Y'all are crazy. Anytime there's something like going on or sketchy or something, I'm like, I, I want to go. I was like, can I, babe, I was like, babe, can I go to North Korea? Can I go to North Korea just for a week? That got shot down pretty quick. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Let's shut that one down really quick. Um, so when you're in there shooting moments like that, like what is that like trying to like, whether it's like giving the right space to capture things in their like rawest form or having sweat dripped on you, blood dripped on you. Like, I'm sure you've kind of had it all. Like, what are some of those experiences like? John's latest blood sport match with uh, Busick. Busick, he got cut up pretty good and he bled everywhere. Giant puddle right next to me. 
And so there's always blood on the lens, blood on one of my outfits. Same with UFC, you know, because your cage side, there, there'll definitely be some blood there as well. The thing is, though, you know, I think it helps being such a fan is that you can sort of see what's coming. Like I can sort of see like, oh, he's put the table there because he wants to come up from there. Or she is like, put them in the corner because she's going to do this running or this leaping thing. So you can start to, in a split second, the thing is, I don't remember anything that's happened. Afterwards, people ask me and I'm like, I don't know. I have to, I have to watch it back. But in that split second, I can like sort of like pause for a second and be like, okay, they're going to jump from here. I need to be here. The light's over there. I need to have a wide angle lens because I want to see that crazy crowd person over there because they're going to be screaming for sure. Oh, we got the logo right here. And so that's all happening in, in, you know, a split second. Like I can't do anything else in life. What a skill. I can't use it for anything else. So I got very lucky I can take photos. You've been able to photograph some real like babe shots too. Like not only do you get in there on like the nitty gritty of, you know, John's matches we talked about, the blood sport stuff. Uh, I know you've gotten some really great shots uh, with Punk as well. He's a good friend of yours. But you also shoot the babes. You get those like Mandy Rose shots and you get Sonia Deville and Rhea Ripley, like these chicks that just like serve it up. What is like that day on set like for you? So a lot of times people think that it's like, uh, it's gotta be awkward, right? Because like there's these women and they're like bikinis and stuff like that, oiled up, whatever. And, you know, maybe for the first like three seconds, that's cool. But after that, like I immediately go to shadow lighting. I don't like the way this angle's hitting her face. I don't like the way this shadow's falling. Because at the end of the day, and I hope that everyone I've ever worked with has seen this, I want to present the image that I see in my head of the subject as well as the best possible version that I can. And that's why I feel like a lot of people have that trust in me. Like they just know, like, if you're telling me to do this one thing, I know it's for a reason. And I know that it's a, if it's a bad photo, you're not going to put it out. Because I have no desire to put out a bad photo. It doesn't help anyone. Like this one hour of Twitter fame and retweets that may come for it would then destroy my credibility and I'll never be working with anyone else again. It's great. Don't get me wrong sitting in a cubicle or having, you know, these beautiful women, you know, next to a pool, like whether it's that or whether it's fifth music bleeding on me, like I'm as excited for either one. Like when we did uh, my maternity shoot together. So you were shooting the cover for John's book, um, which is the reason why you're out in Las Vegas. You guys were out there, like got some beautiful, there were so many great photos that people have not even seen from that. He looked like a Ralph Lauren model. What the fuck is with that? The thing is, like, obviously, I know you get it. I get so many tweets and Instagram messages from people. They're like, oh, look at John. Like, he's so beautiful. And I have to like, <laughs> yep, okay. <laughs> like, I appreciate you looking, but what do you want me to say? Like, he has something. Like, he really, truly does. Like, I, I'll, I mean, you do as well. I, your maternity photos, you were made for a camera. Stunning. Just absolutely stunning. And... I, I am so happy that you love them because the worst thing for me is like, I didn't want to send them and have you go like, appreciate it. No, I love them, but I'm one of those like awkward subjects. I think where I'm like, what am I doing? Like if a camera is rolling and I'm talking, no problem. I got this all day long. As soon as it's like, hey, can you look pretty for the camera? I'm like, I, all I want to do is make stupid faces or like be awkward. I keep fucking talking. So my mouth is like, in awkward positions during each... Oh, did my mic just cut out? Oh, there we go. Um, uh, but you made it very comfortable. As by the end, I'm running around with just like nude nipple Only covers one. on. That's like... Only one. <laughs> what one a look. Off. Only one. 
these things happen. These are the risks that we take. And now we reap the rewards because those photos are really, really beautiful. And I love them. Um, How do you get someone to be more comfortable? I feel like if people are listening to this and are like me and don't know how to take a photo or don't know how to like find their angles, what are like some photography tips? One, I've tried to find what they're comfortable with first. That starts as like our baseline. Like what side do you like the best? Like what do you like? How do you like to pose? You know, from there. And then we do simple tweaks. And like the biggest thing with photography is, as weird as it sounds, if it feels uncomfortable or unnatural, it's going to look amazing because that's the way the camera works. So that's why these models get paid so much and do so well is because they make walking with a hand back here and a hand all the way over their head and one hand look like it's completely normal. And so the camera loves angles. It loves a little bit of uniqueness. And so a lot of times I have on set like another screen that shows the photo right after. So that allows me to be like, see what we did here? Do you see why we put your chin here? Look how beautiful you look here, you know, and and that sort of thing. But it is difficult because really you're putting yourself out there, you know, to allow someone, myself or any other photographer, you're putting yourself out there to allow us to capture you. And a lot of times you can feel very vulnerable. You feel like every insecurity is like this glaring thing that you're like, oh my God, they're going to see the thing that I know is there. And it's like, you, you totally get in your own head about it. Yeah. And, and that's why I hate my picture being taken. Can't stand it. Like <laughs> you give me a camera and you can give me a, in a room full of a hundred thousand people. I'm comfortable. Take away the camera and I'm miserable. I just want to be home. I want to be on my couch. I don't want anyone to take my picture. I don't want to do anything. Like I feel so just uneasy. So I completely understand how someone can feel that way. But really it's just a matter of having a relationship with the the photographer or your makeup artist, your stylist, and realizing that you're all there for one common goal. And that is to make you the subject look as beautiful and as wonderful as possible. And a lot of times people just don't have that connection with their photographer or with their crew. And when you don't have that, you start to fear just like, are they going to let this photo get out? Or, oh, why did they take that photo? Did they take that photo because I have a dumb face and they're going to like leak it to their friends and stuff like that? And so that's a, I mean, it's a, it's how it is for everything. Like when you have a trust with someone, when you have a trust with your producer, when you have a trust with your editor, your director, the amount of creativity and, and amazing things that you create comes from that. It's all about trust. Same and literally everything. Who's your favorite person to take a picture of? Oh, wow. Besides you? Besides me, obviously. I mean, I've got to be up there. Honestly, and I'm not saying this because you made the smart decision or he made the smart decision to marry you. Yeah, there you go. Get that phrasing right, Ryan. No, John's fantastic. You know what it is? He's, uh, he's uh, got a timeless look. Like He literally looks like he could have been in the 1930s. He could have been in the 50s. He could have been in the 70s. And he, and he could be in now. And so all the photos of him basically you know, don't have a time period. You can look at them. And he also has such a way of emoting and showing you know, stuff, whether it's through movement or his face, little things, little squint, anything like that. He's got that rebel to him. It's like as if you were being able to hang out with James Dean. I think that John is someone who, you know, has a close group of people around him. And while he's very, you know, charming when he needs to be, he, you know, he's very closed off. It's not what I want to say, but you know what I'm saying? I find it interesting because the photos that you take of him are always so like, it makes you look, look at him and you're like, oh my God, look at this man. Like, holy shit. And I know that it's, it can't always be easy to try to draw that out of him because when he's not wrestling and doing the thing that he loves to do, 
he can be difficult as fuck. It's like trying to get him to do the thing and to like participate, especially to like have his photo taken, which I know is like, I don't know, what does he think is like souls being captured? I don't know what's going on. He hates it. So the first day I ever met him was in Indianapolis for GCW. And he just has this presence, especially backstage of not that he's mean or rude or anything, but it's like, I'm not going to bug him. He just doesn't look like he wants to be bothered. Comes in with his big jacket on, you know, I'm like, I'm just going to leave him alone. And so I was like, oh, I got to get portraits of everyone that's wrestling on the blood sport card. So I go up to him and I'm like, hey, uh, can I grab you for a minute? Once, once, once you have a time, once you have time, I'm not trying to bother you, sir. Whatever you got a second. And he always just like, nod, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then afterwards, the match is over, and I still hadn't grabbed the portraits yet. And I'm like, oh, God. He just went through this war. He's sweaty. He's a mess. <sighs> All right. So I go up to him. I go, hey, man, sorry to bug you. Can I grab you for 30 seconds? And he's like, God, I wish I had a cigarette. And I was like, okay. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of random, but okay. Uh, I'll try to find you one. Why do you want a cigarette? And he's like, ah, it'd be cool to recreate this Joe Schilling photo that I saw. And I was like, in my head, like, wait, what? And I looked at <laughs> him, I go, you know, I took that photo, right? He goes, that was you. And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, and once that happened, wall was done. We're best friends. He's like, you can do whatever you want. All right, let's do this. What do you want to do? How do you want me? Want me here? Want me here? And again, it goes back to trust. So as soon as he knew that I took the photo of Joe Schilling, he was then like, all right, this dude's been around. This dude's old as hell because I am. So he's, he's been in the game forever. So that's what changed everything. That's so funny. I didn't know that. Uh, and I mean, that yeah, those pictures. I'm actually like, yeah, when we put out the, the video for this and stuff, we'll have to like pepper in a bunch of these photos because they are just like, oh, my God, they're so, so good. And you sent us those amazing hoodies with like the film of John on it. Oh, my God. Amazing. You're lovely. I like to make sure that everything is like special. So like prints that I make, like if I send you a print, it's either one or two because I might have the other one, but that's it. I don't sell any of my stuff really or anything like that. Why not? Because I want it to be special. And if I sell prints for $20, then I'm the $20 print guy forever. And I can never justify, well, this one needs to be $500. Well, why? I could have bought that one for 20. And I also want it so that everyone has a chance because nowadays stuff is so expensive and it's like you have sneaker drops that if you don't get it in the millisecond, you're never going to get it. That I want people to feel like everyone has a chance for the exclusivity. And when they hang it up, like they can tell their people like, this is Ryan Loka guy, you don't know him, but it's the only photo. This is the only copy that'll ever exist. That's why like I'll randomly give one away. You might like literally if someone asks me and it's just the right day, I'll just go, cool, what's your address? And I'll send it to you. Won't pay, you don't have to pay me. You don't have to give me or donate to a dog shelter. But as much as my wife hates it because she wants to retire, I just want everyone to feel like they have a chance to have something really special. If, if you think my work is special, which means the world to me, then I'm all for it. And I mean, honestly, it is. I feel like it, I'm like, I keep just saying that. But if you've not seen Ryan's work, it just like captures a moment in the person and like every little bit of like personality and, and what's going on in that moment, I think is captured in those photos and it's real nice. Y'all are going to like it. Okay. So when we tweeted out that we were going to do this, you messaged me back and you're like, Oh great. We'll talk about how uh, I almost died from doing drugs and how I found out that my dad was not my dad. So we've got some things to unpack. 
So you and I have never um, really spoken about this with the uh, the addiction issues that you've had and that you've been through. What, Where did that start and how did you end up on the other side of things? I mean, you said you're playing with house money at this point. Growing up, my father, who I would later find out is not my father, he uh, was an alcoholic. And basically his entire side of his family you know, dealt with alcohol issues or drug issues the whole time. And so I swore as a little kid, never going to drink not going to happen. And so I went till I was 21, never had a drink. I would have parties at my house in high school and never drink, even though everyone else was wasted. Because I was like, no, I'm just, I just not going to do it. And then you turn 21, start hanging out at bars. I'm like, I can have a drink. Right? Who cares? And the thing is with uh, alcohol, alcohol was never my issue ever. Like I could stop alcohol anytime. I could have one drink, never not drink the rest of the night. I have 30 drinks, whatever. But what happens is, because of the way I am, I'm then like, well, what's the next thing I can do, right? And so moved out and got a place with a couple people. Again, none of this was anyone's fault. Like, I'm an adult. I decided that I wanted to try it. I decided I wanted to do it, et cetera. So then, like, cocaine comes out. Loved it. It was fantastic. It's awful to say. It's amazing. What's funny is that that was never my problem either. Do cocaine that weekend. Never do it for months. Do it all day, not touch it again, no issue. But what happened was living in San Diego was right next to the Mexican border. And so a friend of mine was like, yo, do you want to go to Tijuana to get beers? I was like, well, that seems pretty stupid. Like we have beers here. But if you want to drive the 45 minutes to an hour, okay, why why do we have to go there? Well, I know a guy who works at the bar and he can get us Oxycontin, the pills. And I was like, okay. So all you do is you take half and you feel great all day sign me up. Did you really just say that? I take half of this and that's it. I don't have to take multiple throughout the day. No, just half and you're good. So we'd go down there, get our beers, buy some pills, come back, take half, feel like a billion dollars. Well, why don't we do that the next weekend then? This was easy. Why don't we do this the next weekend? Then it's now you got to take a whole pill because the half pill doesn't work anymore. And then eventually it's like, did you know if you snort it, it's actually better than if you swallow it? Well, that's all you had to say. So now I'm snorting Oxycontins all the time because you have to continually do it because eventually you build up a tolerance and you feel amazing in the first couple minutes and then it starts to taper off and taper off. And then one came up with a great idea. Hey, you know, if you shoot it, that's the best feeling in the world. Blows everything out of the water. Had to try it. And also the thing is with, with Oxy and opiates and things like that is it's a physical addiction as well. And so it's not like I can just say like mentally tough, like I'm good. I'm going to stop doing it. All of a sudden, things hurt. You're, you're cranky. You just don't feel well. You get really sick. It's called, you call it dope sick. So I would shoot it and I would shoot it all the time. Like have to wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, do it again. And to me, I, there was nothing wrong. It was just a normal guy working a job, shoot up opiates all the time, but I was great. And no one could tell, right? There's no way anyone could notice, even though like everyone knew. Like all my friends and everything knew, like I looked like sunken in and just a mess. But to me, I was like, whenever I was on it, I felt so good. But there's no way there could be anything wrong. And then sometimes the uh, you couldn't get the oxys. And so we would then go to heroin because it was easy to get. It was cheap. And there I am in like a bathroom shooting up heroin because I needed it. It was the only way to function. And it made total sense. That's the worst part is it makes total sense in the moment and you, you can't see yourself as anything wrong. And in your head, you're like, well, I'll just stop. Like I'll do this. 
maybe get through another week and then I'll be done. Right. And then like, there were times where I would be in Mexico in like abandoned, like warehouses or restaurants or whatever buildings were near there because you'd buy it from one spot, but then you'd have to go somewhere else to do it. Obviously you can't be doing it right there. So we're like in like an abandoned bathroom doing it. This is just how life is. And, uh, yeah, it's like shocking to think like I like I look at myself now it's shocking to think I felt like this was the right thing. And like, and I remember my girlfriend at the time, she was like, you need to stop. Like, you have to stop doing this. And I was like, you're right. You are 100% right. I am stopping today. And she's like, oh, my God, that's the best news. Like almost crying. Like, this is amazing. I'm so glad. She's like, do you want to go get like dinner or come to my house? And I'm like, no, I got to go home. And she's like, well, you don't want to be with me. Why do you want to go home? I have to do all my drugs today. It's the last day I can do them. And so it made total sense to me. Like, I'm going to stop tomorrow. So that continued on for a long time. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there and you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there and jump in the comment section, you know, jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.